name's Kevin Yule, one of the pastors on staff with us here, and welcome to all of you at our Cactus Campus that are just now joining us, and all of you in the venue, in the chapel, and to all of you in the Shea Worship Center, welcome from your northernmost outpost up here at Northridge. It's good to have you guys with us. Uh, any LSU fans here to uh, confess and repent for what you did to Oklahoma yesterday? <laughs> Feel a little bad about that? You should. That was, that was brutal. Uh, but it's good to be with you guys. I hope you had a great, great Christmas. I hope you had a lot of time with family and friends. You know, my kids are off school, so we get a lot of time with the kids during this season. And Christmas was a whirlwind of fun with all six of my children running around the house. Uh, but you ever spend time with your kids and you find yourself seeing a little bit of you in them? You see a little bit of your character, a little bit of your nature in your kids, and sometimes it fills you with uh, great pride. And you go, oh man, there's a little bit, look at that, that's awesome. Sometimes it comes with a little bit of shame and guilt. You experience anything like that? Uh, I had one of these moments where I had a little bit of both uh, with my youngest, when I, yeah, my youngest son, Caden. He's seven years old. And uh, he comes to me the other day, and he says, Dad, do you want to play me in Madden? Now, for all of you baby boomers, Madden is a video game that you play on a TV with a controller, okay? And for all of you millennials, you know what I'm talking about, but what you don't know is Madden is named after a world-famous football coach, John Madden. Uh, he also was a telest he, he, he was a commentator for the NFL for a long time. He loved a telestrator. Uh, he loved Brett Favre, and he loved a turducken on, on Thanksgiving every day. Okay? That's who John Madden is. They named this video game after John Madden. And you pick a team, and you control the players, and you run and throw and do different things like this. And this is a, a pivotal moment for me and my son. It's like a rite of passage moment for this little guy, because up until this point, most of our playtime has been, Dad, why don't you pretend to be an animal and I'll hunt you with my Nerf gun or let's play Legos. And it's all this kind of fantasy world stuff. And he says, let's play Madden. And I can remember playing Madden on my Nintendo 64 in my parents' room uh, when I was a little kid. So it's like this proud moment where I'm like, wow, I get to, this is going to be fun. So we run upstairs and we turn on the PlayStation and we get it all fired up and we're picking our teams. And because I've raised him right, he, of course, chooses the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, what, what could I do to give this guy a sporting chance? So in honor of our senior pastor, I choose the Cleveland Browns. I figure, hey, if, if, if I'm going to give this kid a shot, he's seven years old, I'll be the Browns and we'll see how this goes. So the screen loads up and we do the coin toss. I win the coin toss. He's going to kick off to me. The entrance comes on, everyone introduce all the players, out it comes, and it's time for the kickoff. And just before kickoff, he puts his controller down and he runs downstairs. And I'm sitting here for a second going, what, buddy, where'd you go? What are you doing? And I hear him talking to his mom downstairs for a little bit. A couple minutes go by, I'm getting a little impatient, then he comes running back upstairs. But he doesn't run to the couch where his controller is, he runs into our bedroom. And two or three minutes go by, and I hear him banging around in our bathroom, opening cabinets and slamming things, and stuff's falling out. And I just, I'm getting a little impatient at this point, going, Caden, what are you doing? We're supposed to play this game. I got other things to do. Let's get this going. I'm coming, Dad. And out he comes, and he comes running across the floor, and he dives onto his couch, and he's got something in his hand. And all of a sudden, as he picks up his controller, he whips this thing in his hand right at my head. Now, I still have cat-like reflexes, so I snatch this thing out of the air, and I look down, and it's a box of tissues. <laughs> this seven-year-old little kid, I look at him, and I go, buddy, what are these for? He looks me dead in the eye and goes, dad, 
those are for you to dry your tears after I beat you. There's a moment where I just went, wow. And there was was a little bit of pride in me. Like, look at my son talking trash. This is awesome. There's another part of me that just full of shame. Like, what have I created in this little guy? Seven years old and he's talking trash to his dad about playing a video game and went, oh man. But I could totally see myself doing that. I saw a little glimpse of myself in my son. And there's an interesting thing about kids. We get a little glimpse of ourselves in them. That's kind of where Jesus is going to take us today. He's going to make a very interesting statement when it comes to reflecting the nature and the character of God. And then he's going to lay a challenge out before us and how we're to wrestle with that and how we're going to deal with that. And so I'm going to pray for us in just a moment. We're going to continue on. We're going to wrap up our John 17 study. We've been going through the book of, of John for a long time and looking at, the, at chapter 17 for the last four or five weeks. And we have a chance to wrap it up today with two verses. So let me pray for us and then we'll dive into our time in the word. God, thank you so much for this beautiful thing called your Bible. God, the words that you want us to study, that you want to penetrate our hearts, you've gifted to us. And so God, we are so grateful for it. God, I pray that we would handle it correctly today. Pray that your Holy Spirit would speak. God, I pray as we look at different passages of Scripture that your word would do what it promises to do, God, that it would cut through our lives and cut to our souls, and God, that your word would speak powerfully. And God, I pray for those that are here uh, that are still seeking your Son. God, that you would reveal yourself to them in a powerful way. God, that you may call some children to your home today. And God, for all of us as your sons and daughters that know you, God, we thank you for this last week and the fact that we got to celebrate you coming to earth and doing what only you could do. And we thank you for the precious gift of the hope that we have because we are kids. So God, we love you. We thank you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's pick it up. Let's look at our two verses today. It's John chapter 20, or 17. We're going to look at verses 25 and 26. Jesus concludes his prayer by saying this, O righteous Father, Even though the world does not know you, hold on to that, we'll come back to that, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. And then we get this statement, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Interesting way to conclude the prayer. Jesus is praying for us. If you go back last week, remember Jamie talked about this idea of he's not just praying for the disciples at this point, but all of us that would believe as a result of their message. And so this prayer is for us, that we'd be filled with the love of God, that we'd be overwhelmed by the love of God, and that God's love would be in us. And that's kind of where he's going to take us today. But let's go back just for a second. Look at what he says. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I want to I push pause here just for a second. It's really easy to read over that and just move on to the next thing. Here's what I need us to understand. For all of you that would call yourselves sons and daughters of God, you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you're a child of God, here's what I need you to get. Uh, there is a world out there that does not know God. They have no idea who God is. Ephesians would tell us they're without God and without hope in this world because they don't know the one and only true God. He's unknown to them. And so here's, here's where I feel like sometimes as Christians, and myself included, we fall short of what God's calling us to do. Instead of looking at that world with compassion, with love, and with grace, we kind of raise a fist and get up in arms because they don't live out our Christian moral values. 
They don't hold to our Christian moral political views. Uh, they, don't, they don't live life as, as Christians, as, as godly men and women. And instead of us uh, having compassion and embracing that and going, man, you don't know God, let me love you. We kind of get upset and say, why aren't, you, why aren't you more moral? Why don't you live life differently? Why don't you make better choices? Guys, they don't know God. They're living life exactly as the, as, as the world would have them. And instead of us getting a little self-righteous, instead of us maybe getting a little offended at their behavior or their character, what would it look like if God's church began to break with compassion for that world, began to pray for that world, began to, to do what, what, what Paul would talk about, he says in, in 1 Corinthians, that they are unable to discern the things of God. And so what would it look like if we began to pray for them? Instead of combat with them, instead of get frustrated with them, instead of when they, when they come over to our house and they do things that we disagree with or they, they, they post things on social media and instead of us up, getting up in arms about it, if we just stop for a second and went, oh, that's right, they don't know, they don't know God. They don't have the same hope that I have. They don't have the Holy Spirit in them, guiding them and directing them. They don't know this thing called the word of God. And what would it look like for God's church to begin to break with compassion for that world? You wanna talk about upsetting the enemy and I think that's what, what God would have us do. Don't forget that there is a world that doesn't know God. And instead of us pushing our morality on them, what would it look like for us to do as Christ did and lead with grace, followed up with truth, but to lead with grace and to love them right where they're at? Could that be where Jesus is maybe taking us? He says this, they don't know you, the world doesn't know you, but I know you. And these, both the disciples and all of us in here that would call ourselves Christians, know that you have sent me. And then he says this, I made known to them your name. Now, this isn't like Jesus revealed some secret name of God to the disciples. This is, this is what Jamie alluded to a couple of weeks ago. This is Jesus saying, I revealed to them your name, your character, your nature. I lived life different than the world and I showed the world a little bit, a little glimpse of who you are, God, and how I lived my life. Christ revealed the nature and character of God. So for any of you that have sat there and said, man, I wonder what God's like. And we all kind of, you know, how many of you guys, you picture God, he's got a big white beard, he's up in the clouds, right? He kind of Monty Python it a little bit. Uh, you got different views of who God is. You wanna know who God is at his core? You wanna know what God is like? Look at the life of Jesus Christ. Follow the life of Christ. Many of us read through the, the New Testament this last summer in the Messiah series we did, and you got a lot of Jesus and a lot of opportunities to see who Christ was. Christ is a reflection of God. He gave us a glimpse as to who God is. You want to know the nature and character of God? Look at Jesus Christ. This is what Hebrews would say. Jamie looked at this last week, but I want to, I want to look at it a little bit further. He says, but in these last days... He, being God, has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the, remember last week, the glory of God. But then he goes on to say this, and the exact imprint of his nature. He's the exact imprint of the nature of God. So who is God? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. How, how, how do we... How, do, how did Jesus respond uh, to the world? You guys remember the, the Samaritan woman, right? She's at the well, the disciples show up. What are you doing talking to her? One, she's a woman. Two, she's a Samaritan. That's, that's not fit for Jews to do that. 
that Jesus embraces her? How about the woman caught in immoral adultery, dragged before him with the Pharisees? They all want to throw stones at her and, and, and kill her. And Jesus says what? When he, he, he asks the Pharisees, anyone without sin throw the first stone? And they all disappear. And then he looks at the woman and he says, is there no one left to condemn you? Neither do I. Now go and sin no more. Leads with grace, with compassion. Doesn't look at her and go, do you feel bad about what you did? Show me that you feel bad about what you did. Wallow in guilt and shame for a little while and then I'll forgive you. No, he extends compassion to her even in the midst of her brokenness. And then he follows up with truth, go and sin no more. That's a reflection of God's character. How about just look at the disciples that Jesus called, fishermen, blue collar, hardworking guys. You'd walk right past them and, and not think, man, there's some religious guys. There's some people that are gonna change the world. No, they're fishermen. Those are the ones that Christ drew to himself. He called a tax collector. Matthew was a tax collector. The most despised people in the region. And God goes, oh, I want you. Come follow me. Because God's in the business of taking broken people and doing great things with them. That's, that's how God operates. That's how, we, that's how we see some of the nature and character of God. God looks down on us as his sons and daughters and, and as people. And, and he's filled with compassion and love for us. And he's constantly reaching out to us. Because God is love. We're going to look at that in just a second. Well, you want to know who God is, look to the life of Christ. And so you want, you know, we talk a lot this time of year, New Year's resolution, New Year's resolution. Uh, what would it look like to, to begin to say, I want to know who God is. I'm going to study the life of Christ this next year. Just get to know who Jesus is and how does he respond to the world around him? And might there be a challenge for us as sons and daughters of God to follow in his footsteps? Here's another Interesting fact that he would go on to say this. He says, I've made known to them your name, your nature, your character. Well, what's the nature and character of God? You guys know this. How many of you guys had to sing this song growing up? This is 1 John 4, 7 through 12. It says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because here it is, God is Love. It is very nature, at the very fiber of his being, at the very core of God, God is love. And he looks down at this broken world. And the reason why we just celebrated Christmas is because he loved this world enough to come down and do what only he can do. God is a loving God. He's a loving father. Do you know the love of God? Do you experience the love of God? I'm, you're going to find out why this is so important in just a little bit. Of, because of what Christ is going to ask us to do. Do you know, have you experienced the love of God? Or are you sitting there right now and you go, we're talking about God's love, what else you got? No, there's nothing greater than the love of God for you to experience. And if you sit there and you kind of go, ah, yeah, whatever, look, check my fantasy team and, and see what else is going on, then Satan's already won. You've already missed out on the, on the beauty of being in relationship with your father, that God loves you. Right where you're at. And all the good and all the bad that comes with you, he loves you. That should fill us up with something. That should stir in our hearts a little bit. Paul would say this, this might be a great prayer to start praying from now until you begin to experience the love of God. In Ephesians chapter three, he says this. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, 
Here's the prayer. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then the one that we always jump to, now to him who is able to do immeasurably abundantly more than all we could ask or think according to the power at work within us. But man, what would it look like for us as children of God to begin to pray that prayer? God, would you help me understand? Would you help me know? Would you help me experience your love in a powerful way this next year? I know it surpasses understanding. It surpasses, like, we'll never be able to fathom how much God loves us. But what would it look like if God's church said, you know what, I want to live in light of that love. I want to live in that love and experience that love and be filled with the love of God. Man, that would be huge for one reason. Why? So that we could be filled with the love of God and walk around like arrogant children. God loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know, the Bible tells me so. And that we would look at the world and feel like we're entitled? No. So that we would do exactly what Christ did and exactly what I think he's gonna pray about here. He says, I will continue to make it known. What's the known? Your name, your nature, your character. I'll continue to make the love known to them that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them that we would be filled with the love of God, not so that we could just take it in and be selfish, but that we would show it to a world that desperately needs that same love. That we would be filled with the love of God and that we would show it to the world around us. Maybe God wants to use his church. Could it be possible that God wants to use his church to reveal God's nature to a world that desperately needs it? You've heard Jamie say this multiple times. It's a powerful statement. I want you guys to wrestle with this and and, and wrap your heads around this. Uh, You might be the only gospel anyone ever reads in the way in which you are living your life. They're looking at you and they're creating their own definition of what Christianity is, about who Jesus is, about who God is, based on how you're living your life. I know it's a lot of pressure, but man, what a challenge for us as God's church to rise up and say, man, what, a, what an opportunity we have to make a difference. As we're filled with the love of God, to then take that love of God out into the world to show them the nature and character of God. Are you filling yourself with the love of God? Because here's where this all goes sideways. As you can hear a message like this and you can go, okay, Kevin's up there again. Kevin's telling us to love each other. He says that all the time. We need to go love each other. Okay, I'm gonna go love people. And you walk out of here and the first person you see, hey, how are you? Good to see you, man. I just wanna let you know I love you. And they go, eh, you're weird. Get away from me. And they, they write you off and you kind of go, well, that hurt a little bit. You know, hey, stick it, guy. I don't need to talk to you anymore. And your flesh comes out. I'm gonna love my spouse differently this year. I'm gonna love her like Christ loved the church. I'm gonna love him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna surrender to him. I'm gonna love my husband. I love my wife. Until they do something that disappoints you. Until they do something that doesn't meet your expectation. And then you kind of go, yeah, I'm entitled to that. Now I'm frustrated. Now I'm out. No, you see, that's, that's trying to will it in your flesh. How does that go? How long will that last? My guess, uh, for some of you, you're godly people. You'll make it till Tuesday. For some of you, 
Making it out of the parking lot would be a, 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 an act of the Lord, right? I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't go very long because we're trying to do it in our flesh and our strength. What would it look like if instead of trying to will it ourselves, we decided, you know what, God, I'm gonna let this go because I can't do it on my own. So would you, would you fill me? Would you fill me with your love so that I could love those around me instead of me doing it in my strength and my power? Because guess what happens? When you do it, if you do it well, some of you will do great at this. You're type A, okay, I'm gonna go, and you're gonna love somebody really well, and you're gonna walk away going, I did a good job. Look what I did. That's self-righteous pride. You've just fallen back in again, okay? When you do it, and you do it in a way that you go, man, I can't take credit for that. I don't know where that came from. Guess who gets the glory? God does, almost like that's the way he intended it. And so what does it look like to fill ourselves with the love of God? Here's the question that you may need to wrestle with. How do you fill yourself with God's love? How do you fill yourself with God's love? Me, I love to study this thing called the word of God. I'm in the Bible all the time. For me, that's how I get filled with the love of God. Others of you, it's worship, it's prayer, it's fellowship, it's being in community with each other, it's, being, it's, it's listening to podcasts, whatever it is for you, figure out, okay, how does God fill me with his love? How does he remind me that I'm a beloved child of his and spend some time investing in that? If you wanna see change in, in, in how you impact the world, fill yourself with the love of God. But don't do this. All right, God, you love me, show me. Prove me you love me. And then do nothing. And then do nothing. Because sometimes that's how, how we, we tend to, to live. It's like, hey, I want, I want to lose weight. And if I just stand here and I do nothing and I keep eating the same things I'm eating, you know, nothing changes in my life. I'm never going to get there. Well, don't do that with God. You want to begin to experience the love of God? Then figure out how does God fill you with his love? How do you encounter God? And invest in that. Invest in that. If you're sitting there and you're going, man, it's hard for me to love the world. It's hard for me to love my kids, to love my spouse, to love my coworkers, to love this or that. Man, maybe instead of going, okay, give me a self-help book on on how to be a a more loving father, uh, what would it look like if you just spent some time on your knees saying, God, fill me with your love? so that I could love my kids through your power and your strength. And to me, that's life-changing instead of behavior-changing. And that's what God's getting at. We love because he first loved us. That's 1 John 4, 19, right? We love because God first loved us. Look at 1 John 4, 12. No one's ever seen God. But if we love one another... God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. There's an illusion here. Bit of a stretch, but an illusion here to say, no one's ever seen God. But when we love each other, people get a small taste, a little glimpse into who God is, into the nature and character of God. Same way you do with your kids. When you see your kids and you go, there's a little bit of me in them. That's what, that's what God's calling us to do, to love a world, to love a broken and hurting world around us, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ in such a way that the world takes notice. They see something different and they're drawn to it. And they go, what is it? Well, it's a little bit of God coming out in us. But you can't do that in your strength. You gotta start by filling yourself with God's love. That's why Jesus prays. I pray that my love may be in them that we be filled with the love of God. So figure out how you fill yourself and then begin to love 
the world around you. One of my favorite passages, I don't know if we have it on the screen or not, but it's in the New Testament. Uh, It's Jesus, he gathers his disciples in John chapter 13. Judas has just taken off. So it's just the 11. And he gathers his guys together. We have it, here we go. And he says this, a new commandment I give to you, men, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Catch this in verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Interesting. You want to show the world you're a child of God? You want to show the world you're a disciple of God? Love each other. Love one another. Why is that so important? It's the one thing every person in this world is looking for. Love, acceptance. They may not be in here right now. They may be driving down the street past our campus. They may never darken the doors of a church, but you know what they're looking for? They're looking for love and acceptance because we do. I, I made this joke. This is, this is low-hanging fruit, cheap joke, but uh, no one wakes up in the morning and goes, ah, oh, God, I hope today this is the day that everyone rejects me, that no one accepts me. Uh, I'd love to be shunned from society. I'd love for my kids to reject me, my spouse to reject me. I I just hope that nobody loves me today. No, we don't do that. We wake up with a sense, with a longing, with a desire to be loved. You don't think God knows that? That's what his kids want? So he says, here's what I'm calling my church to do. Here's what I'm calling my disciples to do. Give them the one thing they desire. Love them. Show them love. It'll point them to me. It'll draw them to me. Are we a church that's doing that? So here, here's the question. If your coworkers, your family, your friends, the people that you interact with outside of God's church had to define God based on how you're loving them, how you're treating them, how you live and interact with them, how would they define God? What glimpse of God's nature and God's character are you revealing to them. You see, I think that's a convicting, challenging statement. I look at my own life and go, man, there's some that I think I'm, I'm doing a great job. Then there's others you'll hear more about in a second that you go, ah, uh, I could probably step up my game there. How are you reflecting the love, the nature, and character of God to the world around you? I think there's a challenge here for us. But hear me on this, and I, this is what I've been super anxious about this, this whole time. I don't want you to hear this and go, okay, I need to go love people and try and do it in your flesh, because that will fail. Start by surrendering, filling yourself with the love of God, and then see what God does through you. That's the challenge. Fill yourself with the love of God and see what kind of impact you have on the world around you. I'll tell you a story. Uh, I was a, a junior high pastor many, many years ago. Uh, when, I, when I used to not be as uncool as I am now to junior high kids. I, I was 24 years old, junior high pastor, and uh, had a junior high ministry that was growing, it was going well, and uh, one particular day we had one student show up. And he was a 13-year-old young man, uh, had no idea, concept of who God was. Uh, showed that by the language he chose to use, uh, by the disrespect for authority he chose to do. Uh, he, was, he was the kid who we caught on a couple of times uh, stealing stuff from the snack bar. Uh, just a handful, out of control. 
And he came two or three weeks in a row. And about the third or fourth week, I had a couple of adult uh, volunteers that were on my, on my volunteer staff. They were in their mid, mid-40s, early 50s, different, not a couple, but a man and a woman. They each came to me as a united front, and they said, hey, we, we need to talk to you. I said, what's up? I said, you know this kid? I said, oh, how do I not know this kid? Everybody knows this kid. I said, you need to tell him he needs to stop coming. He's being super disrespectful. He's using language that's super offensive inside of the house of God. Uh, and he, he's, he's just being a distraction. And it's your job as the pastor to shepherd the flock of God. And they left. And it was a Wednesday night. I remember thinking, man, they got to make a strong argument. I'm called to shepherd this flock. These are my elders speaking to me. You know, I can go to Proverbs, listen to your elders, respect what they say. So I kind of think in my head that night, okay, I'm going to ask this kid. I'm going to tell him, you know, you're probably not welcome here anymore because of his attitude and his behavior. And I, I, I can't sleep well that night. I spent all day Thursday wrestling with this a little bit. On into the weekend, I just, I don't feel peace about what, what they're asking me to do and what I feel like, you know, I don't know what to do. And so here he comes on Sunday morning and I see him coming from a, a long ways away. And then here come my two volunteers right next to me. Hey, we're here. We're going to support you in this. I remember watching this kid walk up and as he was walking up, I think it was the spirit of God just pointed out to me, uh, his mom didn't bring him to church. He's not walking in with any of his friends. Uh, In fact, I don't know if he knows anybody here. What in the world is a 13-year-old kid doing on a Sunday morning coming to church? There's a million other things he could be doing. Why is he here? So this begins to wrestle in my spirit, and he comes up, and I go, hey, buddy, hey, come here. Can I talk to you? Yeah, what's up? (laughs) Hey, listen Tell you something real quick. Uh, I just want you to know that God loves you. And I want you to know that this church loves you. And I want you to know as long as you want to come, you are always welcome here. Because Jesus Christ loves you. Now you could do me a huge favor and yourself. Can you tone down the language a little bit? I know this church thing is all new to you, but if you could just, it's a little offensive to some. And if you could be a little more respectful of the authority that's here, we would, we would love to have this go really well for us. Yeah, whatever, all right. And then off he goes. Well, three weeks later, we're going to camp. This kid signs up to come to camp. We're gonna take him to California for a weekend. And I got all my volunteer staff in my office at some point going, what are you gonna do with this kid? He's out of control. We gotta spend a whole weekend with him. We can barely control him on a Wednesday night for an hour and a half. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You should all upset. They all wanted them gone. I thought, man, what? I'm not gonna kneel before any of you one day. I'm gonna kneel before the throne of God. And what would God say to me if I asked a young man who's coming to church for God only knows why he's here, if I kicked him out? and didn't embrace him, and didn't show him the love of God. And so I upset some of my volunteer staff. A couple of them would would trickle off after that based on this decision, but we had this young man come to camp. And Friday night was a a whirlwind, and we survived, and survived Saturday. And it's Saturday night. We had our Saturday night session, and and the gospel was presented, and everyone is there, and then they they all leave, and they head off to the buses. We're gonna head back to the hotel, and I go back in to grab a couple things, and here's this kid. He's sitting on a couch in the very back corner of the room. I go, 
Everyone else is on the bus. Why are you the only one not in here? Clearly disrespecting authority. Here we go. Hey, buddy, we gotta get on the bus. What's going on? And he just begins, he doesn't cry because he's 13 at the time and he's tough. Uh, but you could just see the tears welling up in his eyes. And I said, what's going on? He goes, I don't understand this love of God, but I want it. I don't understand this love of God, but I want it. And so I sat down with this young man and began to spell out the gospel to him and share the love of Jesus Christ with him. And a couple of days later, he would eventually give his life over to the Lord and, and kept coming to church and still cussed like a sailor a lot of times and, and still struggled with a lot of things. Uh, but I began to see a change in his life. I got to meet his, his mom, who was really his grandmother, uh, who was raising this, this young man. He never knew his mom. Uh, and I got to watch this family kind of come get embraced by the church. And they moved to the west side. I don't know where he's at now. I don't know what his walk with the Lord is like, but I know this, for a brief moment in time, that kid knows and knew that God loved him and knew that Jesus loved him and knew that the church loved him. Even with all of his stuff, he was loved by God. I don't know if I handled that situation correctly. I don't know if God will look at me someday and go, you should have shepherded the flock. Look at the destruction this kid made. But I know this, I feel like I did what God called me to do and that was love this young man and point him to Jesus Christ. You see, to me, I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. Do we love the world around us? They don't know God. We might be the only snapshot of God's nature and God's character that they will ever see. What are we revealing to them? So, so here, here's the challenge, or here's the thought. Uh, who are those people? Who's that 13-year-old kid in your life that God's calling you to love? That God's saying, would you be the one to show them the love of my son, Jesus Christ? Would you be the one to love? You, you know who they are. They're the one, when you get a phone call from them, you look and you go, ugh, swipe left. Not answering that one, Right? Maybe that's the person God's got in your life. They're the ones that some of you are sitting there going, I gotta go back to work. I gotta see this person. And oh, well, guess what? They're the ones God wants you to love. But let's try something different. Instead of going, okay, I'm gonna love them and willing it in your flesh, what would it look like to spend the next period of time praying that God would fill you with his love, that you would be overwhelmed by the love of God so the next time they call, the next time you see them, the next time you interact with these people that are in your world, that God has placed in your life to be a witness to, to be so filled with the love of God that it's not you forcing it on them, but it's God spilling out of you onto them. See, the prayer of Christ is that we would be filled with the love of God, that the love of God would fill us so that we could love a broken and hurting world that's out there. Because make no mistake about it, the world's watching. The world's watching. And they're defining who God is and what Christianity is all about based on how they respond and interact and live with Christians. And so children of God, sons and daughters of God, reflect the nature and character of God. Make the name of God known. Not in your stern, self-righteous morality, but in your love and grace and compassion for a world that doesn't know God. And what would it look like for us to lead with that? And I think there's a great challenge here. I think there's a great challenge for us to do that, to be that, to be a church that does that, especially this next season. You want to talk about upsetting the enemy? 
You want to talk about upsetting the enemy? Go out and love a world that he's desperately trying to keep from knowing God. And be the ones that shine a light on who God is. The true nature of God. This loving, compassionate, gracious Father. So I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't know who those people are for you. I don't know if any of this resonates with you at all. But I know it's what God would call us to do as his church. And what a powerful thing if God would unite Scottsdale Bible Church this next season to reflect the nature and character of God. What a powerful thing that could be. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to have you guys bow your head, close your eyes. If you know Jesus Christ, if you would call him your Savior, do me a favor. Would you just pray? for the spirit to move in this next moment because we've talked a lot about this love of God and I understand and I realize that there are some of you here that have no idea who this savior is. No idea who God is, who Jesus Christ is. And you're here, you came to church this morning, you fought the cold, you got here. And maybe this morning, God's whispering in your ear, you need to understand and experience my love, my compassion, my grace. And maybe God's calling you in to this thing called the family of God. And so if that's you, if you desire to know this Jesus that we've spent a lot of time talking about today, we spent a lot of time celebrating this Christmas season, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to pray this prayer. It's not a magical prayer. This isn't a joining the church prayer. This is just a conversation between you and the God who loves you. So if you want to place your faith in, in Christ and experience this love, just pray this prayer with me. God, thank you so much for loving me. I thank you that you would come down to earth and that you would die for my sins because God, I, I admit I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. God, I want to experience this love that your word talks about. I want to experience this love that you are. So God, I welcome you into my life. I pray I would begin to live my life honoring to you not in my flesh, but in the power of your Holy Spirit, doing what only you can do. So God, I place my faith and my trust in you this morning. Thank you for loving me. I'm gonna pray for all of us in just a second, but with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, talk to somebody before you leave. Find somebody before you head out. Maybe it's a friend that brought you. Maybe it's somebody up front at one of our venues. Maybe it's one of the pastors on staff, but talk to somebody. We would love to shake your hand and just welcome you into the family of God. For the rest of us, we're gonna go out. We're gonna walk out of these doors. We're gonna walk out into a world that desperately needs to know God. Who's God putting in your path? And would you love them? Right where they're at. Let's lead with grace. Let's love them. Let me pray. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the love that you've shown us. And God, I, I confess there's many days that go by that I don't uh, fully understand or realize how much you love me. God, many days the enemy wins and shame and guilt creep in and, and I almost turn my face from you. And yet, God, you remind me over and over and over again through your word that I am your beloved son. So God, I pray that you would fill me with your love. Not so I could hoard it, not so I could hold on to it, but God, so that I could then extend it and, and let it overflow into the world around me. God, I pray for those you've put in my life. I pray that you would give me grace and compassion for them. God, I pray the same for every member of this church, 
every man and woman in these different venues. God, that you would stir in our hearts. That you would, that you would fill us in a way uh, that only you can. God, that you would do things that only you could get credit for. And that we would have to fall on our knees in awe of what you've done. God, mend relationships. Give us compassion. Give us grace. Let us, let us show the world your nature, your character. And we'll thank you in advance for all that you're going to do. We love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.